0: You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast.
1: Christopher Media, let's make some noise. I midnight, and my
2: sleeping, I heard it at my door. I
1: nothing, lay in the darkness, and so I turned. Hey folks, welcome to a special episode of The Projection Booth. I'm your host, Mike White. On this episode, I am talking to Jeffrey Combs, who is doing a one-man show called Nevermore, all about the life and times of Edgar Allan Poe, and that is going to be playing at the Sleepy Hollow International Film Festival, which runs October 10th through 13th in Tarrytown, New York. His performance is going to be happening on Saturday, October 12th. If you want to learn more, please go to Sleepy Hollow Film Fest and enjoy this interview. What brought you to Edgar Allan Poe or brought him to you?
0: Well, first of all, we were all introduced to Poe when we were in grade school, and he made it in pronounce not grade school, but like, for me, it was ninth grade, you know, and so he's in our curriculum, and so we get that, right? And so that was always back in the back of my mind, and I guess about 15 years ago, I was reading history biographies. I wanted to do something, period, and, and try to find a historical figure that maybe I could portray, and it really was not very well-formed. It's just that was the idea. How I would do it, what, a movie, I was thinking? I don't know. Pipe dream, quite frankly, because how many movies of historical are do they make anymore? More like capes and tights now. So so it was kind of like, well, a quixotic quest. But anyway, I... I came across a Poe biography and I resisted it because my whole idea was that uh, not horror was my idea. (laughs) But he's such a captivating personality. And so just as an actor, I was so drawn in to his complexity, his humanity, he irritated me, He, he just fascinated me as a persona. And and so I said to Stuart Gordon, why hasn't anybody made a movie about this? Man, you know, we've got Lust for Life, a story of Van Gogh. Why don't we have one about Poe? About a year later, he I remember the email. He said, I'm going to do an episode of Masters of Horror, and here's the script. Do you want to play Poe? And it was an incredible blending of taking one of Poe's stories, the Black cat and making Poe the main character so you could t- intertwine biographical details of Poe, it was just a genius uh, conceit. And, and it really turned out really well, uh, it's beautifully shot. Watch it if you have a mind to. It is a little gruesome, but isn't Poe, and he's in Stewart Yard. When we were shooting, Ned Stewart said, "You ought to do a one-man show. It's amazing. You ought to do a one-man show." I was like now." Nah. That's not happening. No, thank you. Too much work, I'm glad. But he kept pressing gently for a long time, maybe a year, year and a half, and I finally went, Well, okay, well what, what would that be? And very quickly it kind of organically kind of congealed into pieces that we knew we would use and then, then in what order and then, then then the whole thing was finding the connective tissue and so We brought in Dennis Paoli, a writer who also is a professor of um, Gothic literature, okay? So he knows his stuff, all things Poe. So he started doing research, and he found all of this lovely um, quotes from Poe that would connect all of these set pieces. And then then we had a theater, and it was a four-week run, and then boom, the next thing I knew... It was blue right past four weeks and we were extended and extended. And uh, I, I wound up doing that show for on really two years. And I started getting asked to bring it to Montreal, uh, New York, Baltimore, Nashville, Austin, uh, San Diego, Las Vegas. It was just been a, a lovely. Um, Kind of thing that I can kind of pull out and 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 uh, and do. That's where I'm at. And now Sleepy Hollow, New York. It is a moving night of all things Poe. It's kind of an imaginary recital that, in keeping with Poe, kind of goes sideways, but writes itself by the end of the night. So I hope people enjoy it. The audiences certainly have up until now. I just it's always a a joy and a challenge for me whenever an opportunity comes up.
1: I know you're a professionally trained actor. You did a lot of stage work. You've done Shakespeare, all of these things, but you've been, as far as I know, and please correct me, primarily an actor on uh, movies and television shows since 1981 ish. Did you go back and, and perform on stage in the interim?
0: Oh, sure. Well, not as much as, as I used to, um, but I have. Uh, since 81, actually, I've done, uh, it was, uh, you know, I, I know in 83, 84, 85, I was doing theater. It was at the Old Globe. I was at South Coast Rep. Uh, so, yeah, I was doing theater, but you're right. At, at, at some point, you kind of switch gears. And I I have a family, and I have a home, and it's like, it's not so easy to do the gypsy life. Theater that pays you anything usually requires you to travel and to commit at least nine weeks in a place for little pay. And so you have to make sacrifices. I, I love theater. I love doing it. It's my mother country, but it's it's more difficult to do it. And so, you know, film and television or short stints uh, used to be that you could live at home. Now it's like more and more, it seems like you got to go somewhere else in order to apply your craft, even in film and television. Everything's outsourced. So I was lucky enough that most of my film and television work, uh, for the most part, was, was right here in L.A. So, yeah, you have to kind of make some choices. Well,
1: and it's also one thing to be a member of a cast for a play, but here you are out there completely alone, just you and the audience.
0: I kind of liken it to a, kind of a test pilot. Here, go, see if it flies. <laughs> and But you have no co-pilot. It is a new experience for me, actually, a one-man show. I, I had no experience with that when I... Before I said yes to this maybe ten years ago I, I i um i what i realized is that it's lonely there's no camaraderie there's nobody to work the scene or have a beer with afterwards there's no it's 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 kind of solitude it's um it's um a one man band kinda and it's like and so who do you who do you who who do you come down from the from the show with nobody, and it's frightening as you're out there, and if you go up, you know there's no set of eyeballs to turn to and go help so it's without a net that's for sure
1: yeah, that's exactly the metaphor I was thinking. is just those performances because i I grew up watching like how Holbrook do his yes. and uh, Mark Twain or Edward Herman do FDR to
0: my show by the way, one of my deepest honors was that during my run. He came and saw my show. That's like the Pope coming. For me, it was. I had this cherished photo, and I'm just overwhelmed with gratitude, and then he came backstage. But it's, the, the mountain came. I, there's nobody better than Hal Holbrook at this. He's the grandfather, godfather, and grand of the one-man show. That meant a great deal with me. I have a note, typewritten note, that he sent me afterwards. I just cherished. it. I know all about Hal Holbrook, yes.
1: How has the play changed over the last 10 years as you've been performing it?
0: Well, it always changes. It it does not change to the degree that I know that Hal Holbrook did it. He was so far beyond what I do in that he would read the paper, the news, and then decide what topics he would bring up for his show that was very current, right? Right. It's just remarkable that way. My show is pretty much set. The set pieces haven't changed. The poems and the story that I read, all of that has been, is pretty much set because I know it works. And, and it, it, it it's a delicate little set necklace of pieces and the composition is so good I don't want to fuss with it. However, some of them I have jettison some of it, or I found a better way for it to flow by juxtaposing a little tiny bit here and there. But those are just things that you learn by doing it on its, you know, and, and, and then there's, there's a big difference between it being on a page and then what actually what actually works. And so there's been some alteration, but it's all very minimal. Right out of the box, this show kind of pretty much went, wow, that works. Uh, we were real, really fortunate
1: that way. I'm curious now, after having done it for so many years, how much prep time is there for you? I mean, I'm sure it's not just putting on the mustache and putting on the clothes. I'm sure you have to get your, yourself in that headspace a little bit.
0: Oh, you have no idea. You have no idea, really. Maybe you do. But first of all, I don't put on a mustache. I have to grow the damn thing. And my wife is because it's so verbal and it's right there on your mouth and there's perspiration and there's uh, it would, it, it, anything glued on would betray me okay <laughs> so it's best not to have that to worry about so but the prep is many here um even now i will run the lines just to keep that pretty fresh for me um that's the least of my concerns, though. It's more of the path that, you know, you, it's kind of like a path across the field. If you don't walk it, it kind of needs a little bit of pruning and cleaning up so that it's clear for you. Uh, emotionally, physically, just getting into the headspace. But, you know, I'm always surprised. I get into the wig, I put the nose on. I get into the wardrobe, and a lot of things will sort of sense memory will kick in, and, and that helps a lot. But I don't dare wing it like that. There's just no way. <laughs> There's no way. So you know, I, I prepare as much as I can, mostly out of fear. <laughs> I mean, I'm not, I'm not cocky enough to go, I got it, ever it makes it more challenging when the longer the time is in between performances. And in this case, it's been a little while since I've done it. And so I'm extra vigilant about it because I want it to be a, a good performance in a beautiful
1: space. Am I correct in saying that this is uh, has something to do with Washington Irving?
0: Yeah. I, the idea for the Sleepy Hollow Film Festival, I think, was a new film festival with the theme of films that are based on literary works. So what better sort of venue, you know, Washington Irving territory like Sleepy Hollow and this theater is is just a gorgeous little jewel of the period or late 1800s, I should say. So it really has a vibe about it. And so it's just a great venue for all of that and for my show. So I was really honored that they asked me to... uh, had kind to of come in and be a part of their uh, maiden voyage here. I appreciate that the promoters had seen my show in LA and when they were putting this together pretty early they 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 approached me and said would you do this even before they booked a single film uh into their lineup. So I am uh, I'm in it now.
1: <laughs> Well, I'm very curious as far as the energy of the audience and how much that plays a role in your performance.
0: Well, it does. My show is very interactive. I kind of let it be known right pretty much from the get-go that I, am, that I, that the, that I incorporate them. Because it's a recital, I am looking at them. I am talking to them. Uh, and there is a bond there. There is a give and take. And I will go with that. Uh, at some point, and uh, hopefully, audiences aren't too disruptive. They usually aren't, but they are enthusiastic sometimes and will blurt out some things which I might or might not respond to, <laughs> depending upon if something comes to mind. But I, I, I try to make it, uh, you know, I told you that it's lonely, but it's actually not once I'm out there because I actually am working with. The audience, they are the other character in this. So I do have someone to bounce things off of, and I can feel their presence, for sure. But I don't, and and believe me, that, that, that keeps it going, and it makes every single performance different, for sure.
1: I'm always one to critique drunk acting, but I've seen your performance, and you act drunk very well. And I'm very curious, what's your secret
0: I really know how to answer that observation I suppose would be an answer more specifically for me I had an uncle by marriage who was an alcoholic and he was fascinating for me to as a before I even knew I was going to be an actor I would observe him just when he was not drinking he was one of those guys that was only on the weekends. So the rest of the week, he was low-key, private, very subdued. And then when he would drink, he turned into, for a while, sort of this, um, an animated, happy, life-of-the-party guy. And I sort of used that as sort of a template. You know, they go through stages from not being under the influence to the exhilaration of it coming on and being just the life of the party. And then when everybody's just having a grand old time, somehow it just goes too far. And it becomes something else that is problematic and out of control maybe a little bit. And no one knows quite what to do about that. And there becomes concern... (laughs) And in shame and in embarrassment and and apologies and uh, you know it's a it's a cycle and so that's what I try to convey in Paul. I'm sure that's the way it was. And reading his biographies, there seems to be that. Some people, um, you know, they say that he's incredibly genteel, soft-spoken, southern gentleman. And then other people are like just uh, raging, incoherent, reactionary. And, and so both are true. Both are true.
1: Yeah, I was wondering if you've had people come up and try to critique the historical accuracy or inaccuracy of the program. Oh, yes. Yeah.
0: Mostly, like, really sort of the most pointed moment like that was when I did it in Baltimore for the Bicentennial. In a a meeting hall right next to where he's buried, I would walk by his grave on my way to places to do the show. It was so meaningful to me. But afterwards, we had a QA and a and a woman stood up and said, I am a teacher. I have taught Poe for decades. How could you do that? He never got drunk on stage. (laughs) And I said, well, you're literally correct. But we're in a theater for an hour and a half, and it's called theatrical license. Something has to happen to show all the colors. You cannot be literal like that. There are many stories of Poe being found in the gutter with his coat on backwards, inside out. I don't know what to tell you, ma'am, but I loved Toe, but this was an aspect of his... We can't deify him. He was not a perfect person. In fact, his flaws made him the genius that he is. So that's the point of the shell, is that it's complicated. It's complicated. But she would have, you know, kind of none of that, and was huffy and and uh, and, and somewhat offended. And It's like, well, you can't please everybody, okay? You can't please everyone. I don't... I don't know you 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 want to put them up on a high pedestal and keep them there go ahead, but I don't think that that's, that's 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 not that's only looking at half the cake, I'm afraid, so yeah, yeah, that's difficult i I appreciate that you felt that my inebriation was 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 believable because you know that's a it's uh it's tricky <laughs> I don't want to be a caricature. But at the same time, uh, you see things in people when they drink, and you go, oh, I'll use that. I can use that.
1: I have to say, uh, a lot better than John Cusack. That's all I have to say.
0: I did not see that.
1: You're probably better off for it.
0: More power to him. I do not own the rights to portraying Paul. People are free to do what. As a matter of fact, you know those producers of that, they actually came and saw our show. They did. Before they ever ventured into that or got a deal for it or anything like that. I don't know. I mean, all I can say is I've never seen a picture or read anything that said that Poe had a goatee. Okay? I don't know. And I, and I don't know if that's – I don't think so. The hat, There's that. Okay? Those guys were also a little off in their dates. I think at one point they said, you know, this is 1850s. We tried to recreate 1850 era, and I want to go, well, that's great, but Poe died in 1849, so what are you going to do now? What are you, what are you, what, what?
1: I didn't realize that Poe and Washington Irving, as well as Twain, were actually all contemporaries.
0: Yes, as well as uh, Dickens. Poe met Dickens twice, Poe uh, wrote Dickens a couple of times. He was trying to get an agent in London and wanted to see if maybe Dickens could help him do that. Um, he also wrote Dickens because Dickens was writing a story in serial form. And Poe wrote him and said, I know how you're going to end this. And he told him. And Dickens was like, how did you know that? So, yes, he was. I don't know if Poe and Irving ever met, quite frankly, but they were contemporaries. Poe was born the same year as Abe Lincoln.
1: Thus his appearance in Abe Lincoln Vampire Hunter.
0: 1809. It also fascinates me to think that Poe, for a short period of time, for one year, was at the University of Virginia and like its second year in existence, I believe. I'm not sure about that, and that means that he might have had interaction with Thomas Jefferson, who started University of Virginia. So this is just, historically, it blows my mind. Also, Poe went to West Point. Poe went to West Point in the 18, early 1830s, I suppose, let's see, yeah, early 1830s, somewhere around in there. Which means that Poe went probably, and then he was kicked out where he left for a year for drinking and gambling and debts and whatever else he did. But that means that Poe went to school with probably a lot of the generals and majors and colonels on both sides of the Civil War.
1: Like he
0: knew those guys. Now, he died before the Civil War, of course, but they knew him and he knew some of them. Now, that's fascinating to me.
1: Yeah, I know that he and Washington Irving corresponded because there's a letter from Irving to Poe talking about uh, his story about William Wilson. So what is that the was that the- oh,
0: William Wilson was a story Poe wrote about his based on his experiences at a boarding school when he lived in England for 3 years. His adopted mother and father, his adopted father was a mercantile businessman, and he wanted to expand his business. And so he moved with his family to London and set up shop, export, import sort of stuff. And uh, so Paul lived in England for, I think, a very pivotal two or three years when he was a young, when he was a boy. And I think that's where he got really a good foundation in classic literature that he never would have gotten, I don't think, in Richmond, Virginia. So that's fascinating to me, that they that they talked about that story. I think they probably got along, although I don't say a very nice thing about Washington Irving in my show. Different kind of writer, different aesthetic. And so, you know, I say in my show, maybe it went by you when you watched it, but it I basically say, you know, some people think my stories don't have morals, and 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 I should be, I should be chastised for that because I should, my stories should direct people, people to a better way of living, and uh, like for example, stories of Washington Irving, that are just chock full of moralizing,
2: right? You
0: better not do that, you know, and I don't do that. I don't do that.
1: Well, I'm sure that line is going to go over well at the Sleepy
0: Hallow Festival. Oh, oh. (laughs) it's going to, we'll see. I may have to win him back after I say that. (laughs) That's okay. That's very Poe. If there's one thing about Poe, he created controversy wherever he went.
1: Oh, yeah. Still has controversy. I know people in Philadelphia who insist, nope, move his body up here. He was more of a Philadelphia native or a Philadelphia citizen than he was of Baltimore.
0: Oh, listen, I went to uh, a, I did it in Boston. I did the show in Boston as part of an unveiling of a Poe bus that my friend did at the Boston Library. And, you know, they hear the Bostonians talk about Poe. He's like their favorite son because he was born in Boston. And let me tell you something, that's all. He was born in Boston. And they're like claiming him. And it's like, <laughs> oh, wow. And Baltimore does it too. He, he lived in Richmond, Virginia. He he was passing through Baltimore. He happened to die while he was passing through. He was not living there. Uh, he was on his way somewhere else. Uh, so in Philadelphia, New York, uh, that just shows you how coveted he is. Everybody wants a piece of him. You know? I know. That's the one place I haven't done it yet, Philadelphia.
1: Oh, they've even got his uh, house there still preserved with all of his stuff.
0: And I read just the other day, I saw on Facebook that they are going to preserve his cottage somewhere um, in the Bronx, I think. Some cottage that he lived in for a while. Have you um, read the book Poland? I I really, really um, recommend it. A guy named J.W. Ocker, O-C-K-E-R, wonderful writer, and he took a little travel tour of All Places Poe. Just like what we're talking about. Boston, New York, Baltimore, Richmond. He just goes to all the landmarks and people and talks with people. And uh might want to check that out. It's a lovely read, in any event. Poland.
1: Other than the uh, Sleepy Hollow uh, Film Festival, what else are you working on?
0: Well, uh, i you know how it is these days, Mike. I've done a few things recently, and yet, you know, I'm not supposed to... Uh, Say anything, right? So, you know, it's part of the a contract now is like, don't say anything. With the rise of social media, we want to be in control and not you. So, I am, did an episode of a Creep Show, which is a new horror anthology show on Shutter. They, they've announced that, so I can, like, tell you that. But I've done a couple of other things as well as a number of voiceover stuff. And I can't really, let's just say I do a You know, I I get asked to do some voiceover stuff, which is lovely. And I went off and did an episode of a TV show shots elsewhere, so I've done that. But uh, mum's the word, you know what I mean?
1: Mr. Combs, thank you so much for your time. It was a real pleasure talking with you, and I hope you have a great time at the Sleepy Hollow Film Festival.
0: I hope I have a great time at the Sleepy Hollow Film Festival. Something tells me I I will, because it's so unique, in a great locale and I just hope that there are many people attending so that we can all have a good time. Thank you, Mike. I taking
2: my time and I like to move slow. Why should I- I like things simple and my friends are alright I tell no stories and I sleep good at night Things were different just before I met you Now I worry, wondering what to do I was happy, never playing your game Now you tell me that your name is William Wilson William Wilson symbols so nobody there i play my records, that i haven't the care is to the speaker, and the theharmoni forgot sometimes i forget you other the times i could lie i'm not crying on the top of my bed i was wondering about the William Wilson, let him wild. William Wilson, let him wild. I want to talk to him. I want to talk to him. Where is he now? Where is he now? I want to be like him. I want to see him there. Where is he now? Where is he now? Where is he, now? Where is he